0: pray that you open your your hearts, that you would incline the ears of your heart, and that you would hear the word of God today. You know, the scriptures reveal that on the night when Jesus was uh, established the uh, sacrament of communion, that it was on this very night that he was also betrayed. And on that particular night, John 13 records how the Lord... Face this betrayal and his betrayers. I want to read to you from John 13, starting at verse one. And I want you to just really listen to the word of God. It says, "It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. And having loved his own, who were um, who were in the world, he loved them to the end." The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted uh, Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. And Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. And so he got up from the meal, he took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. And he came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realize what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. And when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you, he asked them. In verse 13 he says, you call me teacher and Lord and rightly so. For that is what I am. And now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done. And so, from these verses, we see the essence that sums up the life and the ministry that continues towards all mankind until this very day from the life of Jesus. This ministry was to minister to our needs for the purpose of enjoying the life He has provided for us, for receiving that which he gives unto us. Now I'd like you all to consider something, and this literally crossed my mind to do tonight. But I kind of foresaw what would happen if I just caught someone by surprise and did this, and so I opted not to do it. But I want you to consider this. What would you do if at this very moment I asked you to come here and allow me to wash your feet? Now I want you to think about that. For some of us, our first reaction would be, yeah, I don't know about that. Right? You'd be thinking about the discomfort you might feel with your pastor washing your feet on camera. Right? For some of you, you'd think about yourself. You'd think about maybe what your feet look like, maybe what they smell like. Right? Um, How they might appear before others. And what I want you to consider is that this is kind of what happened with Peter upon Jesus attempting to wash his feet. He thought about himself. He thought about the appearance of Jesus washing his feet instead of thinking about what Jesus was wanting him to receive in that moment. See, my point here is simply that the life of Jesus, the sacrifice of Christ and his resurrection are all depicted in this moment. It was a foreshadow of what was to come. It reveals something so crucial that we as Christians often neglect. Hear me clearly. As believers, we all buy into the idea that we want to minister to the Lord. That we're here in service to him. That we worship him. That we lay it all down for him. And that's, that's absolutely true. That should be our heart's desire. But what I want you to see through the example of Christ in this moment is that he wants to minister to you. He wants to minister to you. And you know, sometimes we can get so loud with our witness, so loud with our praise, so loud with our confession, so loud with, 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 uh, with our faith, so, so, so expressive with what we believe And There's nothing wrong with that, but we do that. And do we ever stop to even consider what God might be trying to minister to us? To speak directly to you to heal, to change, to breathe life into. I want you to sit with that thought. Christ wants to minister to you. Hmm. So before we take communion tonight, I'd like to draw your attention the eyes of your heart that place of belief within you to our need to always remember that Jesus is always present to minister to us in our need in afflictions in sickness and lack in shortcomings in the joys of life I don't know if you ever thought about this, but Jesus rejoices with you in your joys. He celebrates your victories and he cheers you on when you think you can. The scripture says that he's seated at the right hand of the Father forever making intercession for us. Declaring what's true and right about us. When the accuser of the brethren says, see, Look at what, look, look what Jose's doing. Look, look, look where Alexis is at. Look at what Michael's struggling with. Look, look at what Steve is going through. See, I told you. Jesus is there saying, oh, but I paid the price. And they are strong because I've ministered strength unto them and they can do all things. They're going to get up again. See, he's present and ministering to you and I. And so in these verses, what we see is that Jesus knew what was to come upon his arrest and crucifixion. It's a common belief according to just looking at the scriptures at face value that Jesus had one betrayer on this night. But I submit to you that he had many. Judas gave him up for 30 pieces of silver. Peter denied him. And every one of the disciples left him upon him being arrested. And even after his death all the disciples doubted By expressing their disbelief that he had risen. It's betrayal. At every level. And yet, despite these things, Jesus chose to minister to them in spite of what he knew was to come from these men. Why is that important? I just want to share with you just four simple points. I'm not going to be speaking long tonight. But I want you to hear these four ways, that, four ways that Christ is ministering to you. That he's wanting you to be aware of. And the first one is, Jesus loves you to the end. I'm going to say that again. Jesus loves you to the end. Now mind you, this is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. The one that was there at the inception of all creation, before it was even brought about, when it was conceived in the heart of the Father, He was there. He saw you and I. He's already declared the end as one that brings us great victory. And He provided Himself as a sacrifice for all mankind. And yet, this Alpha and Omega, knowing that these guys would turn their back on him knowing that he would be betrayed knowing that he would be left alone by those who professed to follow him the closest in the midst of that the scripture says that in that final moment he expressed the full extent of his love and then it goes on to say this He went on to express his love to the end. That love wasn't just for that moment. It was a picture, it was a depiction, it was a declaration that he loved them to the end. See, when you're convinced of the love of Christ, the love that he has for you, my friend, you will endure. You will make it. Because no matter what comes at you, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that He is consistent. He is the one constant in your life. He is faithful, meaning He will not fail you. Because to fail you would be to fail Himself, to deny His very nature. God Almighty, get this picture. God Almighty the Alpha and the Omega, the human form of God, took off his robes, put on a towel, and assumed the role of a slave to do what was relegated only to slaves, to wash the feet of the disciples. Not because he was less than, because he wanted them to know that he loved them so much that even though they would fail him it could it would not stop him from ministering to them his love my friend on your worst day at your lowest point at your greatest doubt and struggle in your relationship with god his love is with you not just in that moment it's to the end to the end to the end that's the love of Jesus the second thing I want to leave you with here before we take communion is that your condition does not stop Jesus from ministering to you I'm going to say that again your condition does not stop Jesus from ministering to you There were two types of people present on this night. Jesus identifies them as those that were clean and the one whom Jesus called unclean. But regardless of their condition, Jesus washed all their feet. And why is that important? Because that tells us that Jesus loved every single The one that doubted him. The one that denied him. The one that walked away from him in his darkest hour. The ones that cowered in fear for fear of men while he hung on a cross. The one that sold him in betrayal for 30 pieces of silver. And then was riddled with guilt. And was rightly accused For doing what was wrong in the sight of all after the fact. But yet, Jesus did not accuse him. Jesus loved him too. See, regardless of their condition, Jesus washed all their feet. But then he went on to break the bread and drink the cup with them. Remember this. He also gave the bread and the cup to Judas. And what did he say? This is my body which is given for you. This is my blood of the new covenant which is for you. He gave it to Judas. He gave it to Peter. He gave it to each and every one. Because you see, no matter where they were, it could not stop nor change God's mind about them. My friend, let me say something to you. There is nothing you can do that can change God's mind about you his love about you his love for you his purposes that he's determined for you his plan I believe that's why he says in Jeremiah 29 11, for I know the plans I have for you see when we think we know the plans of God you know what we do we make them small try and fit them in our box and it's the same the same is true about jesus and how he ministers to us listen it's not according to what we think he sees so much more and so he's always present and our conditions and our circumstances don't push him away see we often focus our efforts on serving the lord and doing for the lord and striving for the lord But how often do we take time to just receive from the Lord? Just to receive. When's the last time you quieted your life down? I get it, responsibilities. I get it. There's things going on. When's the last time you actually put a pause on your life? There's a word in the Hebrew that's used throughout the Psalms. It's the word selah. It's a musical term which tells the reader and the singer to pause at that moment. But it's so much more than that. What the word selah means is is pause and reflect upon what I just said. I think it's time for some of us that we just pause, that we say a Even as we sing these songs, let it be more than songs. Put yourself in the position where you can be ministered to and consider the weight of the words that we declare and worship to God. And consider God's faithfulness, consider God's power, consider God's love. Consider God's mercy, consider God's grace. Consider that he's present, that he's never left, that he's available, that he is your strong tower, that he is your prince of peace, that he's your joy, that he's your high priest. You know, this whole deal of receiving from the Lord, it's a powerful reality that is available to us all as we just take time to meditate, to pause. I was reading the book of Titus this morning and I was thinking about something a couple of days ago, how We've all heard it or we've been told, I'm sure I've even said it from the pulpit here, where I've said, man, take some quality time with the Word of God, right? But you know, quality time is only as good as quantity time. And hear what I'm saying by that. Because I'm guilty of saying, hey, make sure you take some quality time with the Word of God. But the problem with quality time, the way we understand it is, is that we take some time that we qualify for God and, and we, 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 we glean some things and it really might minister to us. But then we go on the rest of our days without it. It's like it was just for that moment. And Jesus declared that when the Holy Spirit has come, and he is come, he lives within you. That he ministers to you peace and comfort. That he reminds us of the words of the Father. That he gives us words to speak that are directly from the heart of the Father. That he teaches us and shows us that which is to come. Do you see? the ministry of Christ that's still at work in our lives. He's leading, he's guiding, he's teaching, exhorting, he's correcting, he's lifting, he's building, he's pushing forward, he's making a way, he's opening pathways, he's showing you what's to come, he's preparing you, he's using you, he's speaking to you. And in this moment, these disciples... They were gathered there because Jesus had told them, go prepare the Passover. And these guys said, let's get it all ready for Jesus, not realizing that Jesus was getting ready for them. Ready to meet them right where they are. My friend, hear the the word of the Lord. God is saying, will you let me minister to you? Will you let me speak truth in that place of fear? Will you let me minister to that place where you mistrust? Will you let me heal those hurts that you carry from the very people that claim to love me and treated you like I don't? Would you let me restore the joy of your salvation? The next point I want to leave you with here tonight is that to reject what Jesus has done for you is to reject what Jesus can do for you. I'm going to say that again. To reject what Jesus has done for you is to reject what Jesus can do for you. Think about this. We see this through Peter's initial response to the Lord Jesus attempting to wash his feet. In verse 8, he says, no, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. See, the words of Jesus, here revealed that he was, that what he was doing by washing their feet was a foreshadow, not only of what he would do for them, but what he could do after the fact. Therefore, we must remember that we are children of God not because of what we do for God but because of what Christ has done for you. And there's someone here today, man, and you've been saying, God, you know, I'm just, God, I'm before your feet. God, I just want to be your son. God, I just love you. God, I, I, you know, I'm just praying, God, just just heal this area of my life. God, just heal this infirmity in my body. And God, I'm fasting. And God, I'm going to church. And God, I'm, I'm praying more. And God, I'm getting in your word. And you're missing the whole point because all this time you're speaking, but you've never stopped to listen to the voice of the Father. To perceive him in his, in that moment, the scripture says that he's there in your very present need. So we must be mindful to accept the hand of God that is extended towards us at all times to help us, to heal us, to lift us, to restore us. Listen, it's the reason. While the scriptures record that Jesus said in verse 7, you do not realize what I am doing but later you will understand. They don't understand what was happening in the moment that was a reflection of what he would be doing in their lives from that point forward. And tonight I pray that you don't find yourself in a place like Peter. But if you are, It's not okay to stay there. But hear the heart of God. Let me cleanse you. Let me wash you. Let me minister to you. Let me show you how much I love you. Let me prepare you for the road ahead. Let me give you something that will serve to remind you in your darkest time that I never give up on you. That I'll always be with you. And the last thing I want to leave you with here tonight before we take communion is that what Christ has done has set an entirely new pattern for our lives. What Christ has done has set an entirely new pattern for our lives. Now upon hearing the statement, for some of you, your response as believers is to think, to think on and agree to the fact that we should all serve each other. After all, that's what Jesus says here, right? And this is true. But there's another side that many of us are quick to forget. Hear where I'm coming from with this. It's to accept when a fellow brother or sister is ministering to us. When God is ministering to you, right through people. Think about this. It kind of sounds like this. I'm good. I'm just so busy. I can't. Can I take a rain check? Bless you, brother. Oh, yeah, it's good to see I got to get going. And what we fail to realize is that what we're really saying is I reject... What you want to do in my life, Lord, through that person. Listen, in the kingdom of God, the way up is not only down by way of service. It's also up by way of the people he uses to minister to you. God is present right now. minister into your heart it's like Jesus in Revelations chapter 3 saying I'm at the door will you let me in is it possible that for some of us we've gotten so caught up in our service to God that like the Laodiceans we haven't even let them in so open your heart tonight And so on that very night, the scripture records that Jesus took a piece of bread. It's a bread that today is referred to to as matzah. If you've ever seen matzah, it's unleavened bread. And the way that it's prepared when it's put to, to bake, they poke holes all in it. So that it breathes and as it as it cooks, as it bakes, the bread begins to develop these these streaks that run down it. And the the bread appears to have like these little holes, kind of like those Ritz crackers that you like. Or those soda crackers that you you know that you used to get when you were with a cup of coffee in the morning. Some of you don't know about that. You missed out. But listen, on that night he took a piece similar to that, a piece of bread, and he broke it. But what they weren't realizing was that that bread symbolized his hands and his feet pierced, the stripes on his back, the chastisement for our peace upon him, the breaking of his body for our iniquities, the punishment he endured. So that we wouldn't have to carry that weight or be held responsible to it. And so tonight as you hold this little wafer in your hand, I want you to break it. I want you to look at it. And I want you to see that just as this was broken, that Christ was broken for you. breaking of the bread is not only symbolic of the breaking of his body it's symbolic of the ministry that his body renders unto us and so today as you take this bread as you partake of it I want you to see it as something so much more than just a wafer something symbolic of bread I want you to see it as nourishment to those places where you need healing I want you to see it as the restoration of God that takes broken things and makes them whole and new. I want you to see yourself healed, restored, forgiven. Take, eat in remembrance him. And as you partake of this, don't just remember what he endured. Tonight, remember how he's still ministering to you now in your body, in your life, when you drop the ball. Thank you, our great and faithful high priest. In the same manner, the scripture says that he took the cup and he declared this is my, my my blood this cup is the cup of a new covenant made possible through my blood and so tonight as we partake of this cup I want you to remember that blood was necessary to pay a price To do away with the stain of sin. To forever present before God a substitute, the propitiation of our sins forever. It was once and for all. And I want you to remember this. Let us remember this tonight that Jesus shed his blood to minister to us a new covenant, righteousness, peace with God wholeness. We're declared holy, above reproach, acceptable is what the scriptures declare about us and it's all because of what Jesus did for you and I. Take, drink, and remember this.